Well, hello, family. Uh, I'll start by giving you an update. Some of you have asked, and I know some of you are going to. Um, I start about just making cards, but uh, Dawn is doing well. She is at home resting. She's watching online this morning, so if y'all want to say, hey, Dawn. Hey, Dawn. There you go. Uh, her sister, Chris, is there with her. She's helped, stayed, stayed and helped us uh, get through the weekend and is there with her this morning. Hey, Chris. Thanks, DJ. Um, don't go off script again, please. Uh, no, but uh, she is in. She is in pain. She is still dealing with some pain. But uh, you know, she's she's one of the three toughest people I know on this earth. So uh, she's not complaining. Uh, have to actually try to get her not to do too much. So, thank you for your love and attention. Thank you for your care. Uh, for sitting in the hospital with us this last week and for checking on us throughout the week and uh, looking forward to the meal train. So, yeah, um, man, this has been a tough week. It's, it's, it's been, it's been a heavy week. It's been heavy personally. Um, it's been heavy collectively. It's been heavy worldwide. And there are moments like this that we've gone through, uh, especially if we just mark time by looking at the, at the pandemic, um, the, things that have, the things that have come to light, injustices that have risen. And because our pace is a little slower, we notice more. We see more. We hear more. We pay a little more attention. And I'm thankful that we are in the midst of this series in this season that we find ourselves because Benjamin has, has, has talked to us the last few weeks and encouraged us the last few weeks and reminded us the last few weeks that we are, we are to be a church on fire. And he's, he's, he's talked to us and reminded us with, with wonderful gospel messages about what that looks like. But what that looks like individually for us who call ourselves Christians. And about what it looks like collectively for those of us who call ourselves a church. Our scripture reading this morning is, and, and, and I say this a lot, I say that this is my favorite passage of scripture, but, but this really is. This, is, this is top two for sure as far as passages of Scripture, and it's one that I often come back to. I often come back to it because I need to be reminded. Um, I've, I've been blessed by having headstrong children um, who, who would actually call me out on ill behavior when they were living in my house, to my great frustration in the moment. Um, but my kids, my kids called me to live what I stated that I believe. And, and occasionally now, my kids' voices come out of my wife's mouth when I'm not living as I should or exemplifying um, what, a, what a Christian looks like or, or backing up what I say I believe. 
And so I just felt it was important for us during this sermon to look at some things. Because we all get distracted. We all get distracted. Some of us, it's, it's, it's shiny objects that, that linger over here. Sometimes, it's, sometimes it's, a, it's, a, it's a belief in the way that culture should be because it's not like it was when it was our favorite time. Um, sometimes the people we prefer to be in charge and running things aren't the ones in charge and running things. And we can take, we can take a blow in those moments. We can, be, we can be knocked a little off course in those moments. We can begin to display characteristics of this fallen world in our nature. I, I've hired a personal trainer for the first time ever. Uh, because I was getting tired of my workout, so wasn't I didn't think I was doing all that good, and and I mean, th- and this guy, you know, he he trains he trains professional bodybuilders that that go and do the shows and and everything else like that. And I said, okay, what are we going to start with? He said, it's eighty percent diet, and I went, oh no, because I like to eat. And, and, and really, since, since October, when we got Dawn's diagnosis, I have been eating like there are no consequences. I mean, I, and not just, it's not just what I'm eating, it's amount that, that I'm eating, right? I mean, just shoveling it in. My, when I was a kid, I did that, but it, I had the metabolism for it. And now I don't. And so... There's some discipline that's required there. There's some, there's some things that I, that I have to do. There are choices that I have to make. And there are things that I have to set into motion if I want to achieve my goals. Right? I mean, contrary to popular belief, I'm not six crunches away from having, you know, abs. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a body made of steel. My body is made by Mattel. It's more hard plastic, um, and that's okay. That's okay. But if I want to make changes, I have to make different choices. And the same thing is true for our witness, both individually as believers, but also collectively as believers. Let's go back to the text. Aaron, will you bring that back up, please? The writer starts by reminding people of something. He's reminding them that the divine power of God, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, has given us everything that we need to live lives that glorify Him and live lives that start to begin to exhibit a character of godliness. Go ahead and keep moving. There we go. Yeah. So he's giving us these great things. He's made promises to us so that through them we may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust. Now we normally think, we normally categorize the word lust as purely a sexual thing. But it's not. It's not. It's, it's wherever our desires go unfettered. 
It's, it's that basic animal instinct that we all have that we tend to act out of sometimes when we're angry or sometimes when we're scared. And we push into that and we just allow it to run. And when somebody calls us on it, our, our words are something like, well, it's just how I am. This is, this is just how God made me. Yeah, you're right. But he expects more. Let's see. For this very reason, to overcome this, this animalistic desire, to overcome these wanton lusts, to overcome that, that anger or fear that rises up in us and tries to control us, for that very reason, we must make every effort to add to our faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control and self-control endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with mutual affection and mutual affection with love if you'll notice the writer starts off by faith that we simply need to believe the promise that he told us about that we simply need to believe that Jesus is who the gospel say he is that he was sent for the forgiveness of sin and that we all may be restored to life we sing songs about that and we remind ourselves and faith is the launch point for the writer but as the hebrew writer says there are times where we need to move on past just the elementary things and we must continue to mature And that's what the writer calls us to do by adding to our faith goodness and adding to our goodness knowledge and to our knowledge perseverance and to our perseverance godliness and to our godliness mutual affection and to our mutual affection love. In my mind, I've traced the way that the Gospel of John and the book of 1 John present the levels of love. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? He said, love. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. But he said the other one is like it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, there's the level. Love neighbor as self. That's simple, right? If I'm hungry, what do I do? I cook something. And I, and I eat it. So if someone else is hungry and I want to love them as I love myself, I can cook and feed them. If I'm cold, which happens rarely, I can get a blanket or I can add clothes. If I see somebody else that's, clo- that's cold, what can I do? I can add blankets. I can add, add clothes. I can offer them heat. Right? It's, it's, it's a simple... It, it, it's summed up in the, in the... Remember the golden rule? Right? Treat others as you would like to be treated. There's a simplicity in that, but it's so difficult all the time, right? We, we often act like some of the Jews in the first century and we go, wait, who's our neighbor? Trying to justify who it is that, that we need to love. Who is it that I need to make sure I'm taking care of based on everything else? And it's a simple command. It's, it's, it's the low level of it, but it... it it's still difficult. And then on the night before he was betrayed, Jesus sat with his disciples and he washed their feet and he told them, he said, the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. 
Only this love took a jump. He said, it's no longer simply about just loving your neighbor as yourself. You, my disciples, must love one another as Jesus has loved. That really sets the bar much higher. It calls us to a love that is, that is beyond our capabilities often. But it plays out in this way. If we can learn to love one another, if I can learn to love DJ like a neighbor while we work together and spend time together and irritate one another and, and make each other laugh and all the facets of a, of a relationship with somebody, then I can learn to love other people that are similar. It, it, it's a practice. It's a, it's, a, it's a muscle that has to be developed. And we're working towards that. We're working towards and past that just love my neighbor as myself and start loving to, learning to love my brother as Christ love, which 1 John 3.16 says we know this love because Jesus laid down his life for us. And therefore, we should lay down our lives for our brother's. These are the things that are supposed to be building in us. These qualities, these attributes, all of these things that, that, that the writer tells these people in Second Peter. But he goes on. He goes on to tell them, and go ahead and go forward again. If these things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to that again. If these things are yours, if you own them, if you've begun to collect them, if you've begun to seed them into your personality and into your nature and into how you live and breathe, and then if they are increasing among you, if you're spreading them, if you're offering them to others, if you're, if you're training others and, and asking them to come along with you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The NIV says it keeps you from, from forgetting that you've been cleansed of your sins. We want to be effective. We want to be productive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We want to reflect Him into the world and into the lives of the people that we come in contact with. We want to offer them the grace that we have so freely received. We want to let other people know that there is hope, that they don't have to carry their own burdens and their own consequences of sin all under their own power for the rest of their life. But as Mark reminded us this morning, Christ has already accomplished that for us. Finally, beyond what we read this morning, the writer goes on to tell the people that he's writing to, he says, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I will always remind you of these. This is our job. This is the task that we've taken on as, as, as ministers. 
to find ways to always set these things before you, even though you know them, but to call you to them over and over again, to ask you to live them out, to ask you to make these things a part of your nature, to ask you to make these things yours and increase them among yourselves. Because God is not slow in keeping His promises. But He is patient. He is patient because He wants everyone to come to a knowledge of repentance. So how then should we live? As people with hope. As people fueled by grace. As people who start with faith, but end with love. And as people. As people who make up a church on fire. May these words nest in your heart. May the words of 2 Peter chapter 1 compel you to see the world different, to respond to the lust of the world differently, and to live a life that is effective and productive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we live, in whom we believe, and in whom we trust. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.